Hello and welcome to another episode of Comic Box Rumble. I am your resident smile maker, Coffee Smiles. I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time to tune in this week where we get to sit around and talk about indie comics. It's great. There's a lot of debates, a lot of angles, a lot of issues and... Um, I don't know, I just think we take it in a different direction. We went in a direction which I didn't think we'd go into. Uh, I didn't think the episode would turn out this way, but it's a very fun one. It's a very educational one. I know you're going to enjoy it. Um, we won the Marvel quiz because I know some of you guys out there listening are wondering, oh my God, how did Comic Box Rumble do during the middle child Marvel quiz? Well, we won it. We won it, yo. I want to say thank you very much to Mr. Andrew Gooch who joined our team. He was our amazing fourth member. And it's... Uh, he helped us get through it, um, so we'll be getting him on the show. We're going to have a chat with it. I think we, I think we got sixty-seven out of seventy-four. I'm not sure how far second place came, but it was amazing. It was a really, really good quiz. It was tough. It wasn't just about the movies. It looked at comic books. It looked at the folklore. It looked at the history. And it was, it was everything. It was a very, very well organized and well done quiz. So thank you very much to the guys at Middle Child. It was awesome. But we just wanted to say that you know we won quite a lot of prizes, which we're going to split. We're going to split the amount in half and donate some of them to this current box. I'm going to donate the rest of them to the next box as well. So, uh, because because we love you guys, we love our wonderful listeners, and we think you deserve it. And we wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for you. We did it for you. We won for you. And speaking of winning the next box, if you want to be in the running to win some amazing prizes, like a copy of the comic book Starve, and also we have a copy of Days of Future Past, and also the copy of De- um, the Death of Superman. Just leave a hash. Just leave a comment using the hashtag death of superman and you'll be in it to win it so leave a comment with the hashtag comic box rumble um and then you'll be in it to win it any on any of our social medias but mainly many instagram and uh, also if you are going to be around the whole area on saturday the 16th of june we're going to be at the geek fair at trinity market jack's going to be selling some stuff i'm going to be selling some stuff um we just want to want to go because last time we was there we had a really good time we engaged with a lot with the comic book community of Hull because some people didn't even know we existed and we're like oh my god this is amazing didn't realize there was a comic book podcast coming out of Hull and we managed to kind of engage with a lot of artists and writers and stuff as well which you will be hearing on future episodes collaborating like that making waves making links making connections bringing the comic book community together here in lovely Hull come by come find us say hi and yeah we want to have a bit more chat a bit more engagement with our listeners and stuff if there's anything you want to say to us, comment on the show or to comment on just how we're doing things or things that you want us to talk about and report, get at us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We are at Comic Box Rumble or you can even hit us up on email. We are ComicBoxRumble at gmail.com. Drop us an email. We will read it and we may or may not reply. No, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely reply. So, uh, But now I don't, I, I'm talking too much here. Um, I'm going to let you enjoy the episode. It's a good one. It's amazing. Let us know what you think. Indie Comics with Comic Box Rumble. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. Stars and strikes. Up the crash. Let's go, Bob. See you in the show. Audio right, cool. comes by go. Get out of your system. Victory. <laughs> All right, welcome Good to work, Comic Soldier. Box Rumble, the comic book podcast uh. where we talk about comic books, movies, TV shows, everything that surrounds the pop culture genre my name is Kofi smiles your resident smile maker joining me as always mr tom Aitchison. hello mr jack milson how's it going it's a very you guys can't see what's happening here but we're in a very very <laughs> if you remember close B- environment see bbc in the broom cupboard 
It's smaller than it's a broom cupboard within the broom cupboard. Yeah, Andy Crane, Andy, well, Andy, Andy Peters. We're all sat on each other. It's uh, long ago for had the ducks in here somewhere. It's warm, isn't it? It's, it's warm outside. It's, never mind in here. And it's uh, it's going to get hotter because today we're talking about indie comics. But first, we're going to chat about the news. What we got, Jack? Um, you go first. Joss Whedon is set to executive produce a new thirty-minute comedy it's, on Freeform. Is this a good thing? I think it's good. I mean, he's not creating the show. Someone else is creating the show, but he's going to um, produce it. I think it's he probably needs to get his career back on track. Not that his films have been bad, but he's got he's a bit fallen of, out with Marvel, he's fallen out with DC. But his hands have been bad. He's got a bit of a bad press. He's probably dealt a few bad hands. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. I mean, it's a new format for him. 30-minute comedy he's not really done before. Nah. But he is known for his quips and his jerks, so we'll see. Freeform's pushing the battle a little bit. Yeah, they've got some good shows, like... There's, there'll be this if it's any good the, there's Cloak and Daggers on Freeform yeah. they're obviously trying to compete with CW aren't they it's yeah. been like the ultimate 18 to 30 something well, like that one it like 14 because usually they're trying to do stuff I past. think it's somewhere from 14 to like 24 yeah and that sort of bracket um, the show he's doing is called Pippa Smith Grown Up Detective and it's about a 20 something former kid sleuth as she deals with relationships, addiction, and being too dang old for detective gear. Okay. Right. I'm still waiting on this apparent comic book he's meant to be bringing out. Twist. Was it Twist, which was meant to be sent to Victorian yeah, towns? Yeah, Twist, yeah. What's going on? I don't know. Sounded amazing. It like a female, radar, didn't it? female Batman in the Victorian towns. Like, I'd read that. It fell, off, it fell yeah. off the radar a bit, but he is co-writing the Giles comic at the minute. It's mm. like, why Why did this... And that got announced after Twist. Mm. So. Who's doing the Giles one, then, is that? It's him and... Oh, someone's co-writing it with him. Um, He's doing that for Dark Horse, or? Oh, it's Dark Horse. Dark Horse When's so. it going to pick up from? Like, can new readers get involved? Because I'm not uh, that well, familiar with the Buffy universe. But I thought... Is it prequel? Is it pre- currently, Giles is a kid again. Oh, what? So it's prequel, or is it? No, it's not a prequel. What, he's been turn- turn- he turned back into a kid. How come? <sighs> because vampires. Because of, of, like, <sighs> three my... seasons of comic book. Okay, okay. So, um, all right, all right. So, yeah, he's gone back to school. But anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. But I kind of want to know more. <laughs> yeah. I do, because I think it's interesting. I do think the Buffy universe is something I really feel I needed to commit a bit more to when I was I younger. I stopped after the TV series ended, never read any of the comics or anything like that. I didn't that. finish the TV show, because I started watching more Angel than Buffy. Angel's good. And then I I just, like, I think Malcolm in the Middle and other stuff took over instead. <laughs> and I, I just, I need to finish. I will finish it. Angel I'll go just, back and finish it. The thing that Angel was and didn't finish, Angel got cancelled. Mm. So, Still like uh, one of the best finishes ever in TV, the idea of just, like, more surrounded by the, the fight doesn't end mm. was it the partners is that what they're called yeah it was the uh, whatever call the it. law firms that yeah the um oh god man's gone blank yeah what did they call it the um the it's senior partners that's it senior partners that's it yeah. that's it that's good um i think we collectively got quite something similar uh to talk about for news about solo and yeah. you might need to come a bit how considering close. you'd call 103 million dollars in an opening weekend a failure in the minds of Hollywood's eyes these days. Big execs. Yeah. Because 103 million is not quite... Not quite 130 million. It's a 27 million pound shot. Right. We're right in assuming it's a failure in terms of box office because the film's getting fairly decent reviews. The film is really good. It's got decent reviews. It's fun, isn't it? It's a fun film. It's enjoyable. I thought all the bad press that was surrounding it before it was released, I was expecting a bit of a train wreck. What... Um, is it Lord and Miller. Lord, Miller. Lord and Miller left after, and seventy percent of the film had to be reshot by Ron Howard? I was expecting to be like, I was expecting something that would look like a combination of Justice League and Batman vs Superman, but it was like 
it was really, really good. There is good. a couple of bits I can see where I think they've changed direction. I don't want to go into spoilers because Jack hasn't seen it yet, but there is a couple of bits I think goes from they're going in one direction, then all of a sudden, oh no, wait, they're going in another direction. Okay. Um, it's not a bad film. You can, I mean, there's lots of things have plagued, right? plagued right? a lot of things have plagued it. They say that, um, can you pronounce his surname? Alden Erickson. Is it Erickson? Yeah, um, yeah. He had to have <laughs> he had to have a dialect coach because he couldn't quite hit the hand plat properly. Yeah. Um, didn't quite. I mean, the whole point why Miller and Lord were kicked off set or kicked off set was because he was in he was endorsing um, improvisation. Yeah. But Lawrence Kasdan, who people don't know, Mollus wrote the entire, with the exception of a new Herb, as Mollus had a say in all the original all the other Star Wars films. Mm. And this is the last one was working on. He was like, no, either they follow my script or I'm walking and taking my name off it and everything, which is a purpose okay. of a hog. So they were yeah, like. Yeah. So it's easy to get rid of the two directors than it is to... Get rid of Kazdan's name, yeah. Yeah, because um, that happens a whole sag yeah. you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, so, so they didn't like the influence, which you kind of expect when you've got a film with someone like Donald Glover and Woody Harrelson, who have both been mm. renowned comedic actors, who have both been known to have a good quip about them and can probably improv better than the rest of them. Yeah. But I don't know, I thought I did... I felt it was good because we didn't just get a Han Solo... We didn't get, a, sorry, a Harrison Ford impressionist. No. We got someone that was, okay, this is Han Solo 10 years before we see him. He's essentially a different character. Yeah, point. he's a completely different yeah. person. We, and it was fun to see his growth. You can see how at the end of Solo, spoiler, he survives. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of Solo, you can see how this guy can turn into who we got yeah. as a Harrison Ford. They didn't quite go the way I thought they were going to do was I thought they would have been like in, a, in front of Jabber or something like that. It's got, it just hints towards mm. it, really. That's it. But obviously, they put a a few things in there which kind of shows that they wanted to turn this into its own universe its own trilogy of films hmm. which I don't think is going to happen now I think it's still good I still think there's there's room out there there's a lot they can learn from and I think don't, don't release a film like this outside of the bracket where people want Star Wars films at Christmas why I just think when I heard they were releasing it this time I was like what so we've had this string of Star Wars films at Christmas time that you're just going to break the mould and not give us what, what culture did a really good um, video about Gone on White failed? And it said things like the trailer release. The, a trailer wasn't released for this film up until about two, two and a half months ago, something like that. And then yeah. obviously for us guys who are in the know, we follow our films getting made. We knew the exact date this film was going to be announced when it was coming out before it even finished making. But for your casual movie fan, they rely on trailers. They, they, need, they need to see a trailer to know when the film's going to be coming out. And if you've only got a trailer, what's like one or two trailers coming out a couple of months before a film's coming out? It doesn't build. It doesn't give enough that, time for buzz. Is that not what used to happen though? I'm like, because now we get trailer one, trailer two, trailer three, trailer four, and then we've seen most of the film in all these trailers and TV spots. Sometimes you can get bombarded with trailers. But Infinity the, War as well. That marketing works because you you see the films which are succeeding when they do that. Like mm. the other Star Wars have had trailers enough and teasers, and they've all done well. Like mm. what, what is the difference between this one and the others? And it's the release date. Released it, it. it. And the but I, think, I also think that That's, as well, people are still very bitter over Last Jedi and using this film as a way of boycotting it to show Disney that ugh. they're not happy with how Last Jedi went. We're going to boycott this film. Star Wars. Oh, but I mean, I mean, this linking into actually going into this, um, another bit of news you could say is the character who played Rose has been bullied off Instagram. Yeah, I know that's because the amount of bullying what's been getting off Honestly, fucking fanboys. Star Wars have the worst fans. I oh, think. they're terrible. Yeah, I think Star Wars generally are wor- uh, collectively as a group of worse fans than pop culture fans as a whole do, do you know what I mean because it's just and, and then they get people like Mark Hamill like you know standing up for it and then the people are leaning to him for standing up for it you can't lean into Mark Hamill no this is uh, I don't know uh, um, a couple of other bits of news um, Andrew Lincoln might be leaving or could be well be leaving Walking Dead 
which is interesting. The show will diverge a lot from the comics if they do that. Yeah, seems like the character's still alive in the comics. Um, I saw that uh, the guy who plays Daryl is going to get like a £20 million pay rise. So that'd be interesting. Norman yeah, Reedus. Yeah. 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 It, it could be quite easy just to transition his character, from, yeah. especially with the ti- time jump and yeah, things and like I mean, that. It could easily do that. He doesn't feature in the comics. Uh, his, he could essentially just carry on Rick's storyline. Yeah. I mean, the way characters die in the comics, people die the same way, it's just different characters. Yeah. But most of the big deaths are all similar, aren't they? Quite funny if in like... Uh, Rick leaves and Daryl loses his arm in the first episode. Rick's gone. Yeah. <laughs> they, they just suddenly make him. Yeah, right. I think that it's going to be interesting because the comic's still going. It's not showing any sign of stopping, even though I'm a bit behind it still. But a TV series, I think it has to stop. It has to have a definitive ending to it. So that's. So I think for now we're just going to see just completely different. So after season nine, Rick's leaving and it might carry on. I don't know if The Walking Dead has got that many more seasons of action in it. I've still not. I've still not. I've still not watched last season because I'm just not overly fussed by it. I don't. Mm. It just seems to be the same. Also, I do want to watch it, and it's one of those things where once I start getting into it, I will do. But at the moment, it's just like there's other things I've, I want to yeah. watch instead. It's just I the same stuff season. over and over again. It feels like fandom have fallen out of love with the TV show. I still reckon there's an audience in the general public, but I think people who aware of genre television are aware of the comic books the board of the show the yeah. show is shit yeah. I'm really in there because I'm like you say committed yeah. season 8 isn't it yeah. season 8 just I been s- on yeah what was it? I think I stopped at the break the limited season break last time Morgan's in Fear the Walking Dead now Yeah, and that's, that's the- actually surprisingly good at the minute no, but that's the thing that they obviously they'll never do is they never do a crossover and they obviously know that Fear the Walking Dead I've not watched any of that apart from the first episode and that's only because AMC was free for one night on Sky and that's the only way I've seen it <laughs> But yeah, this series of Fear the Walking Dead is quite good because they're playing with like how they tell the story and yeah. there's some interesting characters which are quite interesting, classic, <laughs> classic um, dystopian sort of characters, yeah. which are quite it's quite interesting to see. Um, one more thing, okay. Uh, I know we're doing a lot of news. Is Comicsology Originals is launching? So Comicsology got taken over by Amazon last year. And I mean, I've I've proud to you guys about pull lists being taken down because that's how I used to keep track of my comics. Yeah. Um, but they're um, they've just launched original comic books, um, and these are going to be creator owned books. So it's quite fitting that we're talking about it on this episode. Um, big part of the news is that they'll not only be offering digital books, is they'll be offering print on demand, which is essentially completely different to how the current comics model works. The current model works is the print 100,000 or something and it gets shipped out by a diamond. And this is going to come print on demand by Amazon. And if there's anyone who's going to make that work, it's probably Amazon. So it'd be just interesting to see where this leads Amazon to. going on one-on-one with Diamond because if it is to take off, you could get some publishers, i.e. IDW or Boom or something like that, jumping ship and then yeah, well, going to Amazon for... the pump. I mean, we could talk about Diamond all day. There's a lot of things wrong with it. But the only reason it still exists is because everyone's scared to not be a part of yeah. the standard. Even Marvel and DC don't want to be part of it. I think both have tried alternative methods in the past to not be a part of Diamond. So I think that's one of the reasons I want why Marvel fucked up a little bit in the eighties, wasn't it? I think they did try going a, a different way yeah. or something. Well, which, I'm doing it, publishing it through their own streams. Yeah. I think why are Diamond so strong though? Because they just got the monopoly on everything. The monopoly. It's just, one of the things where they just happen to get it, and it's. If, if people are familiar who Diamond are, they're the ones who distribute every single comic yeah. in the world just about. And if you can't get picked up by distribution from Diamond, as a comic book publisher, you won't survive. You see comic book companies who've tried to exist outside the model. And unless you're Titan, unless you're some kid-oriented, bookshop-oriented publishers, you're not going to make it without like In the UK, the only thing you've got is like a Panini publish out 
the um, Marvel stuff and Titan books yeah. used to do all the DC. I don't know if they still do it or not. If DC now do it themselves now. Do Titan Comics. Titan Comics used to do all the DC stuff. Yeah. But he I does. don't think they do now. They no, barely even put their own stuff out, do they? No. But yeah, it's, it's something definitely worth thinking about, and uh, I think we'll pick up this in a little bit when we see how it works. Mm. Yeah. Oh, there'll be no first, second prints of anything, that's for sure. No. <laughs> Nobody likes a second print. First request, maybe. Second <laughs> uh, oh, brilliant. No, that's exciting. I do think that's exciting. I'm quite keen to see how that plays out, but I wonder how that's going to affect your local comic book shop. Mm-hmm. Amazon, man. The I mean, Comixology is, is a... As people say, Amazon's the, the death of all things. The Comixology is pretty good. And when they have sales and stuff like that, they do sell stuff ridiculous. The, there's only certain books I will get off um, Comixology. Ones that I know that I want to read that I'm collecting in trade. I'll get things that I just kind of want to browse and check out. Yeah. Uh, I think most of the DC stuff I get is on Comixology. Yeah. I mean, they've also, I mean, at the moment, they've got 50% off all Marvel sales, apart from anything released like past 22nd of May. So it's still pretty recent stuff. Okay. And the app is, I think it's, the interface of it is fantastic. It's easy. It's really, really good. Especially on a bigger phone. Uh, Okay. So today's theme, we are going to be looking at indie comics. Now, can you define an indie comic? Uh, well, indie comic would say anything that isn't pretty much Marvel and DC, anything outside of the big two, even though people out there are saying now it's big three because Image are putting out some amazing stuff that they are pretty much on par with Marvel and DC. I don't know if you guys agree, disagree. Let's, let's just leave it out there, can yeah, we, for the time being? Okay. Well, like, a lot of that might be what we're talking yeah. about. Okay. I think it, it's hard to talk about indie comics without talking about Image. And I think we'll all touch upon probably an image in a different way than what we're talking about. There's certain things you can say make it that you'd want to say it's not indie comics, but mm-hmm. then let's compare indie comics to your indie band. Would you say like Oasis when they came out? They were the pseudo indie band, but now, well, not now because they're not around anymore. But towards the end, they were it's, they were the norm. They were the mainstream. It's very very similar. It's very similar. What, what's the difference between the music type, the genre, and the distribution model? It, I think we'll have to, we'll save this for our reports, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm going first. Can I give one of you guys the, the test start? Um, there is the giant clock sat in front of us all right now, apart from Jack You know what, I'm going to turn around. <laughs> um, so, in fact, let me just log into this. Ah, there's computers. Okay, <laughs> I've, got, oh, I've got all my notes written down anyway, so I have to rewrite them. Um, sorry. So I am looking at. Are you ready? Oh, I forgot one oh. more important bit of um, news as well. Uh, we won the Marvel quiz last week oh, as well. Oh, we did. Oh, shit, we, we did. did. Yeah, we'll talk about that later, though. Let me just Quite relieved we did. <laughs> but we did. Yeah, thanks to Andrew Gooch as well, who's an absolute fucking beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of questions. Yet. We were like, what? what? It was like, yeah, it was like, that. Like, <laughs> what? Real nonchalantly. Um, yeah, so, okay, so I'm going to be looking at why, no, I'm going to look at why <laughs> indie comics are realer than Marvel and DC, and and it's due because of how bleak they actually are. Does that make sense? I think they have tell more realistic stories than Marvel and DC due to its bleakness and the reality that our real lives are. Okay. okay yeah. Um, so DC and Marvel Comics, you know, they generally have a positive outlook. You know, hopeful. Um, they kind of have that vibe where anything is possible because obviously superhero comics, they're sort of designed to kind of make us feel like we can do anything, aren't they? And they make it a, little, a bit of escapism, make us kind of step outside our own bodies and say, 
well, you know, if these guys can do it, maybe I can find this inner strength with it inside me to be able to get things done. Because, you know, DC Comics, we have things like, you know, bad things happening. You, people's parents are shot in alleys. Uncles are murdered. Civilizations are ended as planets explode. And, you know, your best, friend dra- your best friend's dad murders your, murders your girlfriends. And now this is all meant to all take place outside the world that's outside your window. And, like, but our real world... Our real world is random, it's scary, it's fragile, you know, it's terrible things happen, you know, they happen every day and as humans, we're left to pick up the pieces, like us, but in the books, you know, that we read, you know, there's generally like a suit of armour around that world and that makes everything a little bit better and, you know, it makes it, well, we're led to believe that a caped crusader is going to be the one thing that's going to fix the problems that are happening in these universes, you know, but then... But we don't have those. We don't have those in reality. You know, we don't have those heroes because the superheroes don't technically exist. I mean, like some people say heroes exist, but do heroes really exist? I know that's down to the individual. And saying this, this is deep. I know. Saying <laughs> this, it might make it seem like like life is bleak. And this is what I really feel like you get from indie comics. So tonight, so today, I'm going to be talking to you about why indie comics are the most realist comics, and why. Um, so my couple of my favorite reads. Um, I'm going to be looking at a couple of my of my favourite reads and looking at the how and the why these worlds are bleak and what I get from them. So I'm going to start with my favourite one first because I was going to do like a list of five of five, but then I was like, I can't talk about these and go into as much detail and not beat the clock and not be beaten by the clock. So I'm going to start with my favourite. This is, in our, to be honest, I genuinely think this is my favourite ever comic book read and it's Why the Last Man. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have read it. Have you read it? No, I'm not read it. First, um, hardback. So I was aware that you guys haven't read that much of it, so I've been able to break this down into a way that I can give you a bit of a taste and sort of compare it to its bleakness, how and why, and give you a bit of information about the story without reveal it, revealing anything that could spoil it, because there were some bits in this, and I was reading some bits over when I was doing the report, and, and I was like, fucking, I remember where I was where I read this moment, and I read it over the course of, like, I kid you not, 10 years, because I was so into the story, I didn't want it to end. I was just thinking... Uh, I just you, you have to finish it but I don't want to finish it because I don't want to lose this journey so it was published on Vertigo uh, obviously Vertigo they're owned by DC yeah um, it's a, a it's 60 issues written by Brian K. Vaughan and drawn by Pierre Carrera uh, and so, I, I, now are we including Vertigo as being an indie comic because that's now throwing my, my report into quite distribute I'd, I'd argue would you I'd I'd argue. Oh, right, okay. I was considering to talk about Vertigo and also Icon. As and, non-indies. And I didn't know if they were where it or weren't indies, so I haven't they're included both very them. Di- they're both very different. You can't even categorise Icon and Vertigo as the same. No? Well, they're both just imprints by... I just meant like as an imprint owned by a larger corporation, yeah. mm. so obviously Icon's owned by Marvel and Vertigo DC. That, you can argue that Vertigo is indie in terms of its genre. Thank you, because that's what I'm looking at. The stories right. that are being told. Yeah. And the type okay. of stories that they've been told. Ic- Icon is more like... The what Marvel give the creators They're the freedom, the, yeah. like right. when they had vendors under exclusive contract. Before they used to let exclusive contracts do image stuff, which is now the current trend. You right, see. okay. You're exclusive to one of the big two, essentially, nowadays. Right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, because I'm talking about stories that they tell. Right, okay, yeah. The bleakness in the real world. I was like, I knew they were going <laughs> to cut. I was like, I knew it. I'm ready, I'm prepared. Um, so, why the last one? So, there's a story about a man called Yorick who survives the simultaneous death of all male mammals on the planet. And he goes on a journey. And he's, he's, so, he's the last surviving man. And he goes on a journey. Now, he's the last man in the world. 
And what would you think most guys would do? They'd be like, be oh my God, right I'll be, yeah, I'll be sleeping my way through the, through the world. But no, he goes on a journey to from one end of the world to the other to find his girlfriend. So he's in California. His girlfriend is in Australia. And yeah, um, didn't the break up? Well, they were kind of, they were sort of on the phone at the time and they weren't sure they were on a break. And he was like, oh, I don't, there was a bad issue with the phone line. And then you, they, he doesn't really know what's going on. But then he, this whole thing happens. And all he wants to do is find his girlfriend. And, and it's amazing because there's only him and his monkey ampersand. They're the two male, like, surviving the male I've mammals. Got a, the hardback I've got. Yeah. Um, Pia did a sketch of ampersand in the front. Oh, so I've seen it just and like, it, yeah. it's, it's honestly the monkey set. Do you know what an ampersand is? No. Ampersand is the name you give to the and, and sign. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I'll never forget that because it's you see, comic books, so educational. Um, and along the way, he goes on the, along with this journey called Agent 355, uh, who's part of this group called the Culpa Ring, which in this world they have been part of. They're a clandestine, well, not clandestine, they're a secret sort of spy organisation that have been around since the since George Washington time, and they're helped to carry his secret bidding, you know, topple other, and a topple a lot, uh, what you call it? topple other kind of political groups invading threats from other countries that sort of thing and also a geneticist called dr allison mann so they go along with him on the journey now how is this bleak and how is this story told so the best thing about this how is this world bleak so the best thing about it is because the reasons of that cause of the mill mammals so that is never really explained there's like four or five reasons about four or five re- hardcore reasons and other ones that are floating around which are peppered throughout the book but they never explain it. When you think, what the fuck? They should explain it because that's the whole premise to why this pe- this guy's on his hero's journey. I'll give you a couple of... Uh, do you want me to give you a couple of examples or you would rather read yeah, them? Yeah, or, yeah, I, I wasn't too sure. Um, so you've got... Um, you, it's a failed uh, uh, chemical attack on China um, that went wrong. It was meant to... Yeah, it was a field attack on China that went wrong. You've got um, people saying in the book that the Y chromosome had genetically run its course, um, which was quite quite interesting the way that they talk about that also there's an amulet that is actually removed by agent 355 at the beginning of her kind of how we the first time we see her in the story she's removing it from this place in jordan and some people believe that that amulet because it had a curse on it was the cause of all the male mammals dying and also there's there's a link with that with the ring that yorick bought that was going to propose to beth uh his girlfriend his fiance with that was one of the things that protected him from the from the curse. And also, there's also a government conspiracy, which the Daughters of Amazon, who are all these women who believe that Mother Earth naturally cleanses itself, and this happens. This was m- meant to happen. Um, they believe that the government and was played a part in this because there's actually females that have been running everything in the world from behind the scenes. Um, but I, I'm happy to kind of... And from what I've read, I'm happy to go along with the fact that it's a combination of all of them. It may be a bit of magic. And I like even the fact that Brian K. Vaughan says that, yeah, you shouldn't rule out magic as a possibility in this whole universe. Um, so why is, it important? why is it so important? Um, just as in real life tragedies happen, um, we, you know, we, we're kind of, we're told to kind of, we're told the truth about certain things. And, you know, we just kind of have to get on with it. And, in superhero comics, our superheroes are the ones that we're going to find out, oh my God, this is an injustice, not just to me, but to the people. I have to get to the root of the problem. I have to reset the status quo. But us normies, us humans, us muggles, um, we have to kind of find a way to kind of readjust, live with it and carry on. Hearing why, you know, Yorick, all he wanted to do was be with the woman he loved, so he decides to go look for it, despite all the 
hate groups and ninjas and you know he was faced with a choice of people either want to fuck me or they want to kill me but i still want to try and find a way through this kind of uh, through this landscape to try and find my girlfriend and i kind of thought that makes him more relatable to us because when there's bigger things happening in the in the in the world like okay we have we've had brexit um all this kind of dick measuring with kim john ung and Donald Trump and missiles and nuclear war it's like oh god this is awful but is there anything I can do about it no the only thing we can do as people is just carry on our day and do our best to handle it and I think that's 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 the most interesting thing you can do with a hero's journey in this sort of kind of storytelling because sometimes it's quite hard where you can look at the life of Superman Batman and be like how can I really relate to this person who's got all these wonderful and magical things? He's doing this insane stuff. He's got the completely separate sort of reality to mine, but I can understand his morality behind it. And I just feel it makes us a bit kind of, a bit tighter, a bit kind of more attached to these type of characters. I'm like this is an the York journey is amazing. I'm like it's well written. Um, the plot itself it has so many twist turns and like it sort of. You get elevated with him, you know, you celebrate with him, you, you mourn his losses, and you learn to love um, a lot of the characters, but then you love to hear quite a, a hell of a lot more. And I think the artwork for it is so dynamic and sharp. Like, it can be playful, very, very playful, quite cartoony, but then it switches up to be... Um, to kind of bring a bit of the realism in some of the many, many somber parts of the story. Um, I think it's bleak in the same... In the same way that kind of, you know, hold on, I can't remember my hand. I can, this is why I want to say, but I can't remember my hand. In the same sense, you might get to see the world. Yeah. So it's bleak in a sense, like, you might see, some might see the, a world, being the only man in the world is a good thing. And some might see, a, well, um, a world without men is a good thing. But, like, half the population is of is, is dead. And the majority of jobs and, uh, majority of jobs and roles have been left over. And it just shows you that even in death, you know, us males have managed to kind of fuck up the entire planet and society, <laughs> which I thought was like, yeah, that's 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 pretty that like that's pretty true. And I just want to look at some key moments where Yorick goes, he gets tortured, but it's that yeah, he gets tortured and he starts tripping balls. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, his emotional big reveal at the end of the story is incredible, and it all, I literally almost cried. I mean, it was just so many emotions at the time, and also there's some astronauts in space at the time, which is really interesting. There's two male and one female. Now they end up having a threesome. And that turns off into its own little kind of melodrama in itself. But then the relief pod comes crashing down and there's this suspense where you think, oh shit, it's nine months later since they had that scene. So obviously someone's going to got pregnant. And you think, okay, if, if they've survived this crash, does she get pregnant? Whose baby is it? And do the two astronauts survive when they land on, on, on down it? Because it's just, and it's always one of these things that's slowly kind of making its way around the story, as if it's like a space station and all. And it's fantastic because you've got all these little, these all these little little parts, and it deals with love, corruption, betrayal, and it's a guy that's just trying to make it in love, which is what I feel is seen as like a real life sort of story that we can all sort of attach, be attached to. <laughs> but it's bleak as fuck. So I don't know whether you guys want to argue if that is classed as you can class that as an indie comic or an indie story, rather than a superhero one. It comes under, yeah, it definitely comes under the indie. I think one of the reasons why indie comics always come up as being bleaker and darker is because the writers are given more freedom. Yeah. Whereas the big two, they don't want some. I mean, you, you can't have swearing or anything like that or just nudity in a DC or Marvel comic, regardless. Mm. I think the only exception with Marvel you'd have there was when they did the Max series. Um. 
So yeah, so I think an indie comic gives a writer more freedom, and that's why they can go more darker, more bleaker, more... And they're not bound by canon. No. Sort of thing. Batman sometimes gets away with it with all his like, individual stuff, like Long Halloween and Killing Joke and things, but... Um, I do have one more to talk about. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but I'm going to go for it anyway. <laughs> I but doubt I'm, it very, very much. I've got... I'm going to talk quickly about Scalps, also on Vertigo. Um, another six-issue series, which I like what they do. Um, Jason Aaron and R.M. Guerrera. Um, story, it's a noir... Which I think is fantastic. It's beautifully dark. It's everyone hates everyone. You know, everyone's a hedonist, nihilistic, and it's all this wrapped in a gluten-free. It's all this in a gluten-free wrap of moral ambiguity, and like basically, it looks at the life and times of the inhabitants of the fictional Indian reservation on the prairie roads, uh, Indian reservation prairie roads in, in modern-day South Dakota. Like its inhabitants deal with um, unemployment, drug addiction, alcoholism displacement, you know, identity politics, love loss, and feeling like you're so low on the chart that the end of the world even missed, even missed you out. Um, and how did I get there? Well, I put white people, because you go back <laughs> and you have to look at what happened with Manifest Destiny and Europe coming over to, to the States and kind of pushing their agenda further, further west, cultivating the land and, di- and di- driving Native Americans off the land into, well, ill-supplied, poorly conditioned renovations and settlements, which led to the situation that we see in the book. Ah, oh, oh. fuck. I'm glad I talked about the last man first. Bad and scout. That was good. Yeah, was good. I'd love to know a bit more about how Vertigo operates as an imprint um, in terms of, obviously, it's still creator-owned stuff they're doing, but how involved is the company in the production because to yeah. me that's what def- would define mm. it as, it as an indie comic or not rather than I, I don't know I, when, sorry I need to get closer when I was thinking sorry Tom stretch your leg when I was talking about doing this I was like okay well there's a lot from image and like title I was going to do uh, Death Sentence um, but I was like with the stories that mean the most to me that I don't think I will find anywhere else I cannot find any of these stories these type of stories the depth and the level to these stories no. anywhere other than from like Vertigo onwards yeah. and I, I'm aware obviously with it's ownership I still would class it as uh, because of what they're putting on say whether I think it's indie or not oh. what of the story of Vertigo no I think the story is definitely it's an indie story but yeah. it's yeah I know what you're saying though it's, it's what counts as being an indie publisher yeah. basically if there's any in that term I'd accept it as indie as long as there's no editorial um, yeah dictation mm. there can be an editor in terms of an editor who spell checks and Mm. helps you with the structure rather than what the meaning is and what it represents and what well, our ethos is so I touch it on a bit in mind but like a, an image book still has an editor right but the editor is hired by like the writers and the yeah. artists yeah, yeah. to edit the book mm. so they're part of the creative team and it's up to the writers and creators how the book is also printed right so the writers pick paper stock they pick the release schedule mm. yeah. they, they come up with a marketing plan they and right, writers will have some sort of say in with each which artists they want to work with as well, rather well, than being paid paired up with. Usually, someone. an image book is that that's the partnership already made before. Right. Okay. Yeah. Depends how the creative images go for a unique way of advertising though, because obviously they don't have like you know the budgeting or advertising skill set of DC or Marvel, but when you read an, an image book, usually the last few pages will be devoted to the first few pages of a brand new yeah. book, which you yeah. think they think right. If you like this, I read an Outcast. Right. Here's another like kind of supernatural. Mm. thriller here's the first three pages of this new series you might be interested in and you get that with them all the time yeah 
and it's quite a good way then because you get a bit of a teaser then. Mm. And sometimes it's not even a complete page. Sometimes it should be some black and white sketches. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting. It definitely opens up the debate about what is an indie comic. And isn't that what mm. comics are supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Indie cool. comics for real. That's really good. Yeah. Oh man! I need to finish. Why? I can. I have to say, and I, I don't. I don't say this like it is probably one of the greatest stories I've ever. How many? Had. How many issues is it then? It's uh, sixty. Is it sixty? Is that sixty? Because it's ten. Ten tradebacks. Ten trades. I've read the first twelve or eighteen twice. Like Mate. I've read them, but I've just don't got any further. And it, it just wraps up nicely, and the characters are funny, and honestly, the ending is just like, what the fuck? It's, it's worth it. It's the payoff, I think, for a lot of the little story. Old, all the stuff with the astronauts and Yorick's journey and the whole thing with Beth and you just think he's, he's doing it he's doing it, and it's just, it just flips everything on its head after a while and you just think fuck do you think, it, do you think it could be a TV show I, oh sorry I thought you were going to say movie it should be a TV show if it's a movie they'll ruin it do you think that Last Man on Earth is almost still some of the I haven't watched it well because I thought that was originally, I thought that was based on no, this originally Last Man on Earth I've not watched any the of last it. man and then he meets some women and then other men but there's the whole astronaut things in that as well. Oh, right, okay. So you just wonder whether... It's not the same. They've not copied it. But some bits are so similar that it might... I do, I think there's a lot to this that, that keeps it very special. Like I said, the supernatural bit, the relationship with like Agent 355, um, Dr. Uh, Sean Man, and also the different reasons and beliefs that everyone has about why the world is how it is. And this, this how society is in complete disarray. It doesn't look anywhere near to actually sorting itself out but somehow you know things start piecing themselves together and yeah you can't take away from the characters that they put in that comic book and put them and sort of borrow it and put it in another TV show it just won't work yeah right are you ready Tom yeah uh, how should I position myself oh you can go you can have the mic I'm going to say the mic right okay then um, kind of following on to exactly what we've just been talking about just then um what I'm asking is, are indie comics a thing of the past? Because what would you define as being an indie comic, really? Now, one thing I was going to... I'm going to touch on it. I'm actually going to write this down because I didn't think I have enough time. But I was thinking, are the way indie comics going now, because of what the publishers are like these days, would you say it's more an online presence is what's now becoming an indie comic? When you've got stuff like Patreon, is that now the uber indie comic scene? Because there you're you're paying the the right of the creator up front for something yeah. they're making and they're not assigned to a studio publisher I, t- I touch a little bit on mine the distinction between like an indie comic and DIY comic like, yeah do it yourself even if it's a small publisher like you go to Thought Bubble and like most of that is indie comics even if it's properly published it's by themselves mm, and is yeah. that is that the real difference yeah I mean I'm going to I'm talk about some publishers here but I'll go straight to the last one which I was writing about just because we was kind of just touched about it just then which is about Image so people don't know anything about Image it was started in 1992 by Tom, Mc, uh, Tom McFarlane isn't it? Tom McFarlane yeah. Jim yeah. uh, there was five of them weren't they yeah okay um, and it was just their way of just breaking against the norm, really. So they could then create, they could put out what they wanted to put out. Spawn being the big thing there. That's yeah. one. That's like the first big platform for it. Um, so it's been going on for twenty five over twenty five years now. Now, Image was saying about attacking the top two. Oh, is that our part? Of the scene? It's not even. It's not actually even the top three. There's one above them still. So they're still just the fourth biggest indie. Oh, fourth biggest, not indie, fourth biggest publisher in mm. in the world. Now. The thing about Image, though, is they've got their own shared universe. It's got its own shared universe now with so many characters. 
you've got something like the Walker Dead now, which is absolutely... It's still, even though before we was talking about it and saying it's not as good as what it was before, it's still a massive juggernaut, and it's still garnering a lot of speed. So can something which is in the forefront... It's like At one point, it was like the biggest um, non-cable rate show or biggest network show in, in America at one point. Is that then now part of the indie scene? Because it's, it's a popular TV show. It's part of the pop culture. It's now part of when you go to San Diego Comic Con. They've got the run panel. They've got a huge section of it devoted to them. It's now even got myself a spin-off show as well. So it's, it's a very, very big thing. That kind of comes down to image. And the image as well now is... Image... You could say now image is the umbrella because you've got that many smaller things underneath it, which is that what the creators then own themselves. So you've got things like Top Cow Publishers. You've also got Skybound, which is Kirkman's like domain. So now you could say really that image is no longer the image is like the name of it, but does everything else what comes under it is that then deemed to be the indie side? Does that well, make if, sense? So if you've got like a, a mate. So if you've got like a major comic book writer, uh, character on the way, and he if he has a kind of a publication sort of company, does that not make it indie? Uh, uh, is that what you're saying? Is that what, is that image, what you're saying? Image is still indie to me because it's image is the machine you do it through. Yeah. Um, it's still creator owned. You still have to do all the work yourself. Mm. Like, like do, do you think creator owned is like the that's what defines something to be indie? It's got to be creator owned. Do you think, oh, that's one of the core think, things you need from it? I think that's the cleanest answer without... But doesn't like, make, doesn't the fact that, obviously, what you're saying about um, Bendis and what Mark Miller was doing with Kick-Ass and Icon, wasn't that all his... Wasn't he putting... You've got Miller's got his Miller- Millerverse thing. But I mean, Bendis' his first stuff was out in Image. His, yeah. first, his first run on Powers, yeah. that was that was Image. And then I, um, I, when he switched to Marvel, yeah. Icon bought it. And now that he's gone to DC... Jinx Wells at DC now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so all of um, Bendis' stuff like with Powers as well, that's all going to DC as well. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if like Powers, if he carries on right now, will be under the Vertigo banner. Yeah. No, it's going to be under Jinx Wells. Oh, is he going to Jinx? It's under Jinx Wells. Bendis at DC, he's writing DC books. He's got Jinx Wells as a separate imprint. And he'll have his own DC imprint, which right. I haven't announced yet what's going to be in that. But he's got his own DC imprint as well. Mm, yeah. um, but Jinx World is essentially that's Bendis. It's, he's just using the machine of DC to print it. Yeah. So it's Blair Land, whether that's indie comics or not, mm. if you're using one of the big two to print yeah. books. I mean, well, that's kind of good. Okay, go look at Image then. That's kind of looking at, that's the fourth, like I said, that's the fourth biggest publisher. Now, number three is Dark Horse Comics. Now, would you refer Dark Horse? Would you say they them have been an indie comic book producer? But a lot the, of their sorry, no, no, go. You know, I was going to say a lot of their properties are well known and already established. So yeah, not complete. They're not a complete in, uh, indie publisher. Are they? they're, they're not owned by a major. They're not owned by a major yeah, studio. Yeah, they're not yeah. owned by a bigger company. But the properties are owned by bigger companies. That's as well. the Who license else? products. They're still creator owned comics. If, well, okay, look at here. Look, it's still, it's, it's, it's bringing in. It's still bringing in a caliber yeah. of like reader that will start with the license stuff. And then we'll oh you actually do Catman on Broadway I don't know I, don't oh, know I mean if you look at some of the licenses of what they've got you've got things like Star Wars and Buffy you're probably the two biggest licenses what they've had hmm. which are both held in very high regards the Buffy's definitely canon a lot of the Star Wars fans still deem the Dark Horse series as being part of their their canon their universe even though it's always been said that they've never actually been official officially canon so they've kind of got that going for them I mean they've also got their own manga arm as well Dark Horse so they're spreading out they're going for different areas now could you say then that's that's something different that's not something against especially the kind of American mainstream because no one else really well, tilts this, on that would that not just be an attempt to kind of 
be able to kind of be involved yeah. with other markets, international territories, because Marvel have kind of sort of announced all those new Chinese superheroes, haven't they? And then, now, they've been announcing Chinese yeah. characters for like the last three years. But then they? they're all done in, a, in like an anime manga style, which some people are like, well, j- manga is Japanese. They've done crossovers <laughs> yeah. with um, Attack on Titan as well, haven't mm. they? Yeah, yeah, I only yeah, saw the free yeah. comic book day one yeah. of that, but yeah, so yeah. But, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff, though, what DC, um, DC, what Dark Horse have put out of the which is their own unique things. Now, you're looking at Sin City, Hellboy, The Mask, and 300. They were all original Dark Horse comics, but they all became major blockbuster films. Now, because then they've now got that property under their belt, does that still then, does that then make them indie? Because these are... Especially Sin City, how big that was, and Hellboy as well. Just because you don't look success doesn't mean that you're not... No, no, that's what I'm saying. A lot of the no, indie but... stuff has actually garnered success from being such a good comic yeah. book and for mm-hmm. having been... Well, at the end of the day, it's been such a good story in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Th- this is kind of going back to, like, you know, using the band thing. You've got this band, this up-and-coming bat indie band, but as soon as they get a number one hit or a number one album, are they then looked upon as being indie anymore? Is indie technically a, is indie a genre? Is indie a publication? What classes has been has been indie? From what we're going on today, and I'm not just kind of this isn't self-serving for what I've spoken about earlier on. I think indie has indie is a genre because it is it has to be because it's like you can't you can't put because essentially we're putting figures, aren't we, on numbers and stuff, and how, how much money and stuff is put behind it, then how much money it makes when you go from being yeah. indie to mainstream. But then it's it, at its core, it's come from a place of. This is what indie stands for in terms of what, what type of I don't know. Yeah. What I mean, we're giving what's not we're giving. I mean, we kind of gone through who the top the top the four out of the top five publishers, and we look at number five. So this is out of everyone I've talked so far. That's IDW. Now again, IDW Do they is. They don't own turtles. They put out. They put out the turtles. But they, they put, so they put, they out put out the turtles. But that's a kind of thing. That's a company. What is again privately owned it's not owned by like a major corporation or anything like that but their whole core thing is putting out um well adaptations it's putting out um yeah just different like look at this list here they did angel they did 24 30 days and nights csi doctor who ghostbuster star trek transformers the x-files so they've got all this they've got all these um i'm trying to think of the word like um franchises, properties, franchises under their belt now but they're an indie publisher. But again, it's an indie publisher. But it's an indie, yeah, but then they're putting out blockbuster hits. Mm. They're putting they're putting out things based on some of the biggest films of all time or some of the biggest Mar- TV shows of Marvel all time. Marvel Studios is an independent studio. Yeah. It was Iron Man was an indie film. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it isn't now because it's owned by a larger corporation. Owned by no Disney, but yeah. But, but Marvel was, and but it's, and Iron Man is a licensed thing in it it's licensed product yeah so when you've got license yeah and just kind of look at it, but this is thing going back to yours is indie a genre this is an indie publisher mm. but these are indie genres these are not i'm not saying cash grabbing but these are these are getting like people just the option in the well known that ent- identifiable there's a fan base there so exactly an existing fan base there they're going to hire people who are either fans of the shows or sometimes you know the high people who are writers for the shows and things like that you know so or in some case like angel it's a way of continuing a tv series badly yeah but then you kind of yeah. But then you kind of look at it, this has been then a stage of is this an indie comic? If you're reading an Angel comic or you're reading a Doctor Who comic, are you reading an indie comic? I was so based on like the logic that you guys are saying because it's obviously its own. It's a it's a self-contained uh, it's a self-contained publisher, isn't it? Putting all yeah. its money resources. The writers are just 
How would they acquire the licenses yeah. then? Would a writer be like, I've got an idea for a Turtles comic? Oh, well, no, they'll, 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 go, they'll go to the studio and say, right, okay, we can like you know do your comic book on what franchise. I mean, if you look at some, most of these are 20th Century Fox. So they say, right, we'll go to Fox. And they'll like sign a deal and say, right, we'll do, um, we'll do your comic book series based on so many... Of your t- so many of your properties mm. we'll do you know we'll do six episodes for each uh, six so issues per each, each what's one stopping fox from being like okay our comics aren't doing so well which means it could have a reflection on our movies and everything else let's put a bit of money behind it in terms of advertising does that not make it give it this own marvel situation now it's owned by disney well the hook the, 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 the bit whether, whether the studio sees value in comic books so the studio just might be happy that someone's come along idw and said uh we'll give you half million pounds to publish that's a lot of money the world did that but no. to publish your Planet of the Apes comics and they might go yeah that's fine and to them that's that's that done that's why you don't see like you don't see an, ad- an advert for Planet of the Apes comics before the new Planet of the Apes movie because mm. they're not really that bothered about yeah. it but one other thing that you could also say about IDW the words is they bought they bought out another student they bought out another publisher so therefore, then is that then starting like you know the the wheels in motion of if they st- if someone starts buying out other smaller publishers? Does that mean no? Are, you the, are you no longer then indie? Are you now like part of a a bigger thing? I think it's fair to say it's a sliding scale, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, it'll be a ven- what, what we point need do a Venn diagram. We need a Venn diagram yeah. to show you what is an indie comic. It's something like it's again. It's going back to the band algorithm. It's a ba- an indie band is only an indie because they're signed not signed to one of the big labels. Which, but then again, uh, you get the rapper, rapper chance rapper is, indie is perfect it's on example. an indie label. Yeah. Chance Rapper's perfect example. He's still not signed to any label. He was he put all his albums out himself. He's got his own small team. But look at him. He sells out stadiums. He does features with, you know, Kanye West, Jay Z, all this sort of stuff. But then people will still call him an independent musician. Yeah. But again, he's but he's, he's global. He, yeah. The only deal he's ever done is with well, one of the few deals deals he's done is with, I it was Apple, when he decided to put Coloring Book on iTunes. And they still distribute it that way, but yeah. he still is an independent artist. He's signed to no one. He's his own manager. Yeah. So again, a Venn diagram is a good way, of like you know, putting it sort of thing, you know, saying like you know what comes under this and that. And, that. and I get they, that's that's what you're saying though. And <laughs> can an in, if someone makes so much money, does that therefore then make it? Is that therefore? Oh God, Curfew's now doing a. No, no, I'm not doing it. I'm okay. doing it right because I'm going to do it. Right, so I, 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 I thought you were trying to. I mean, the last one I was going to talk about. I mean, this is someone who's not even part of the top five big publishers. Is Boom. Ah. Now, boom! Again, deal with some licensed property. They did Planet of the Apes, but they also did a bit more out of there things like Warhammer 40k. Now, again, with boom as well. They also used to have Mark Wade as being their editor, which by having someone like that there, kind of gives it a bit more gravitas to the whole indie scene. It's not making again. You could say it's part of indie because it's outside the top five. It's not even in the top six. Number six was there. That one beginning with V, which I can never remember. Vague, the name. Not no, not uh, Vega. Valiant. 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 That was number six. Um, which I don't know anything about them. I've never read anything. But boom, though, I've How got a twenty. I've got like a twenty-five percent stake. Twentieth Century Fox. Mm. So here we've got this company, which is the smallest one on my list here, but it's got Twentieth Century Fox back in them. So does that make it indie because it's got the money behind? I don't think Boomer indie. I won't call yeah? Boomer indie at all. No. Is that because it's got the Fox back into it? Partly, but when you look at it's that combination of they're owned by a large conglomerate. Also, the books aren't really creator-owned books. There is some creator-owned at Boom. I'd yeah. be wrong to say there's not, but it's mainly licensing. So that but you said the same thing about IDW, though. That nearly all their stuff. I'd, I mean, the I'd, Disney ones flip between the probably, two. I would probably say IDW are indie to me. Aren't indie to you. Yeah. yeah. But although they're an independent publisher, I just... 
Yeah, because IDW, like Disney, has, has like put out their things between Boom and IDW because they don't want to put it out under the Marvel, yeah. under the Marvel brand. They want to keep it all separately. Because all this Star Wars Adventures is IDW. I believe so. I think out? so. Yeah, they're doing a few more Disney. Yeah, I think IDW has now got the rights to all the now Disney. They do like the Mickey Mouse ones and the Scrooge McDuck ones and things like that. So again, it's just does again come it's coming back to this whole thing is what you put out does that determine then if you're in you're not if you're doing if you do an i mean look at dark horse though they had the star wars franchise the buffy franchises so they're big but then they also took they also recently did fight club 2 which was like the official sequel to fight club the novel not the film mm. now the novel is quintessentially it was like a very indie or their alternative book which kind of gathered more steam when the movie came out again people said is the movie an indie, an indie um, film even though it was put out by 20th Century Fox but then you've got, you've got they have their own indie print uh, indie distributors are they Fox is it Mirror Max no that was Disney they no, just used to have that no they have Searchlight Searchlight, Searchlight. Searchlight. Yeah. Uh, yeah but then it's getting it's coming into this whole kettle of fish now do you get it, what I'm saying is is indie a thing of the past now because you're going to have these large corporations having some kind of ties in with it I think the term is probably outdated isn't it yeah mm. I think Creator owned is generally what we're trying to talk about. Yeah. When we say indie, I've got very the, interesting. Then you've got genre, money slash license, and creator owned. There's the three elements that overlap. I don't know if I'm missing something else, or would you put something else instead? No, I'd probably say of oh, publisher. No, man. Like, what makes it? Oh, so what makes got, it? You got genre. Genre. As one op- as one option, and then you got money slash licensing as another. And then create around as the other. Would you even say the genre film. though as well though defines an indie comic? Because you can have a light-hearted indie comic. Image do sometimes put out light-hearted yeah. stuff. It yeah. didn't necessarily have to be I dark and dank. I'd add, add like physical production to that. Would you? Yeah. Like, if if some if a com- if a comic book publisher doesn't go through Diamond, they're probably indie. You know. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Could you just say that anything was not through Diamond is that indie? Yeah. It's so, so, uh, this is interesting. It's very divisive. Um, Jack, what we got? <laughs> get the timer going. Well, I feel like I, I feel like I'm continuing again. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start by talking a little bit about what in, indie comics are or what <laughs> indie comics are to me. Um, the term indie comics is very vague. Uh, the easiest place to start is to state what aren't indie comics, and the easiest things to say which aren't indie comics are Marvel and DC, and arguably Valiant, as they are owned by large corporations. Um, uh, who's Valiant? Who's in? I can't remember who it was. It might be Cerny. Cerny might have an Some company's got an hand in Valiant. Since it relaunched about five years ago, someone's yeah. got an hand in it. Um, probably the most high-profile indie publisher is Image. But some would argue that because of their size and the impact on the market... Sorry, DMG Entertainment. Uh, yeah, what else do they earn? DMG, they own a few things, yeah. Uh, they own, like, Twilight. No way. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably one of the most high-profile indie publishers is Image, but some would argue that because of their size and the impact on the market, along with being part of a standardised distribution model such as Diamond, they aren't indie. And that could be a debate itself, and probably won't get. And if I did, we did that, we probably won't get a chance to talk about comics because we haven't actually talked about that much comics today. Um, other large indie publishers are Dark Horse, Black Mask, Avatar. Onipress and IDW. So maybe I did think IDW were indie comics. Yeah. I didn't actually forget about Onipress. Um, I could also debate a little bit, but we'll touch on it, about whether putting out licensed books can con- be considered indie. Uh, but I'm not going to do that, really. 
I am gonna <laughs> I am gonna talk about how, in my opinion, there are two types of indie books, which are very different but come essentially from the same place. So you've got creator-owned comics and DIY comics, although they are also inherently creator-owned comics. Uh, by creator-owned comics, I mean books that publishers like Image and Dark Horse, where the creators of the books retain the rights. What is noteworthy is most, not all of these books, come from the creators who have an existing reputation from within the comic book industry. Like most of the publishers, that, most of the books coming out of Image are from writers who have at least done a stint on a big two book. Most, mm. of, the, yeah, most, yeah. most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Not always. There is the ex- there is the exception, but most I think of the time. Image don't, I think because they obviously have to like you know make sure a lot of their stuff's hits. They need to put more of a, a name awareness to yeah. it, if that makes sense. Um, DIY comics, for the sake of argument, are self-published books without the infrastructure of a larger company to support them. So it could be anything from photocopied comics to high-spec, completely self-published books. The kind of stuff you see around at cons, like at Thought Bubble. Um, now, indie comics are fantastic and are vital to the comic book industry and will become increasingly so as the industry changes and evolves. Um, we'll see this DC and Marvel have slowly declined over the last 10 years while indie comics have risen mm. substantially. Um, the greatest achievement of creator-owned comics is that, broadly speaking, the creators earn decent money and maintain the rights to these creations. And this is something which has plagued the industry since its conception and something which, in fact helped push the founding fathers of Image Comics to form Image Comics was having the rights to their characters, being able to do what they want. The problem with indie comics, specifically for this report, creator-owned comics, is how to break into the stronghold of the big two. So I'm going to give you a list of five comics... Oh, not five, I only did three. I'm going to give you a list of three (laughs) comics by by creators you know and love for their work at the big two who are putting out their own books. Um... These aren't in any order, except for this first one, because I didn't want to have to run out of time and rush it. So I'm going to get started and talk a little bit about Saga. Um, Saga is an epic space opera slash fantasy book, and it's written by Brian K. Vaughan, who we've already mentioned on the podcast. G! (laughs) And it's illustrated by Fiona Staples. Um, Also a G. Also a G, by Image Comics. Saga is one of the only books I've been on from the beginning, and I've picked up every single issue non-stop. I absolutely love the book and it's the strongest ongoing currently on the market in my eyes. Um, and I've and I've got the first couple of issues signed by Birth Creators which I've added to my pile of stuff I like. Um, it's often described as Star Wars meets Game of Thrones. Saga is also the Ro- Romeo and Juliet story of Alana and Marco and their daughter Hazel and a plethora of wide and wonderful characters. <laughs> Really, <laughs> really fucking weird. Um, they're caught within an intergalactic war between the Landfall Coalition and the Reef, uh, and they've fallen in love and have a daughter and flee across the galaxy. It's a truly fantastic book, and it goes to some really weird places, some gory places, and even some sexy places. <laughs> um, if Walking Dead is known for its cliffhangers, Saga is known for its shocking opening pages. Um, I mean, we have like birth scenes. Deaths, yeah. dicks, fannies, boobs. That's your first page of uh, can, Saga. Can, can, can we just week. talk about the prince who was like chasing them? And he's just. Is he the television? Now? Yeah, he's got. He's, his head's a television. And he's from a race. Of, Robot Prince. Robot yeah. Prince. He's from a race of people who've just got TVs yeah. for heads. Um, you can see what they're thinking. Is there, there's some yeah. fantastic writing and some really beautiful design. Um, the robots, 
and Gus, so you've seen Gus. If there's anything, the Gus, the little. If any character made to play Ivan or figure, it's Gus from Saga. Um, are the favourites of man. <laughs> he googling Gus. He's awesome. <laughs> he's made to be a vinyl figure look at him he's like a little seal yeah. uh, when they go to the lighthouse and the way they do it is uh, basically Fiona gets free reigns with what she gets to design I think he just I think Brian just writes like the character description of the personality and stuff and she gets to do what she wants now now to sell it to two big two royalists for fans of Brian K. Vaughan's Runaways and his own X-Men run and for although Fiona Staples hasn't really done any big two work, just have a flick through her work, and the design really pushes the bounds of comics. And you have to remember, she does it all. She inks and she colours it as well. Um, so yeah, if you like Runaways and Ultimate X Men, Wild Ass Man, check out Saga. One thing I really do like about Saga, so it's great, is that the fact that the whole thing's talked from the perspective of the daughter. Yeah. So you know that she's gonna, even though everything you kind of go through, you know she's gonna be, she survives it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. If you're gonna go down that, yeah. Um, next up, I'm gonna talk about the massive. Um, I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast. Um, it's published by published by Dark Horse. We've already already debated Dark Horse as a publisher, and it's written by Brian Wood, with initial art by Kristen Donaldson and later art by Gary Brown and some other real powerhouses of the comic book industry. In a post-war, post-crash, post-disaster, post-everything world. The environmental action trawler Capital scars the ocean seas for its mysterious missing sister ship, the Massive. Um, so there's a character called Callum Israel. He captains the ship, and essentially, it is a book about our planet dying, and it's a book about this these people on this ship surviving while also being eco warriors and um, dealing with stuff in the past. They've all got conflicted history, and there's even it's very gritty and very real, but there's also these sort of like godlike beings. Um, if you like the sound of Starve through the week, you'll probably like this. It really touches the same nerve. It's political. It discusses real world issues, the environment, um, which is both entertaining and informative. It was so close to being a TV show, but I think there's a show called The Last Ship, which sort of beat it to the punch. I don't think The Last Ship did very well, but. There's only so many shows you can have about like, the last ship. <laughs> um, and it was so similar on first glance. I don't think we're going to get a TV show out of it, which is really disappointing. And I'd recommend this to fans of Brian Wood's DC work, DMZ. His DC work, Northlanders. That was his, awesome. And his Marvel work on Ultimate X-Men. And, and even Moon Knight, which was great. Um, the initial art was by Christine Donaldson, like I said. And I have some sketches from him. He did some covers for the Doctor Horrible comics. So, like, for three years in a row, I went to him every year and got a different character from Doctor Horrible nice. sketched. <laughs> Probably hates <laughs> me for that. Um, but then uh, Gary Brown takes over, and he does most of the um, duties. And it, it really challenges the typical superhero style, but it still offers that clean, dynamic storytelling. And there's some fantastic help from artists like Declan Shelby does an issue... Gary Erkstein does an issue. Um, I, can't, I don't know how you say it. No, the artist from Starve, Dan, Danny Gell. Oh, Dijonic, yeah. Uh, he does some work. And John Paul Leon does covers for it. which They're absolutely fantastic. And then it's coloured by two of the best colourists around, Dave Stewart and Jordi Belair. Um, and they're pretty much shared you. It's on the book. Uh, my third choice is probably the weirdest book on my list. And it's another book. It's another image book. And it's Zero by Alice Cox and every artist ever. Um, 
now this is the first book this is the first book for cot which came out before i did the big two works it's like the reverse of what i said is the typical form um it will later on i went to did some dc and marvel work zero tells the story of edward zero a former super spy for the shadowy agency called agency and um, the series consists of a, a series of self-contained issues each with a different artist telling a different story from a different time throughout this character's life at some point in the past edward had a moral crisis and quit the agency but all is not quite what it seems. What looks at a glance like a simple spy story quickly becomes more complex as a more of Edward's complex life is revealed. Seemingly unimportant details from early issues later come back to tie into the larger story in surprising, shocking ways. At first glance, the book is a spy book, but it's much more than that. It's fucked up. It's mind-bending and a deep discussion of the world, of self, of fear, anger and violence. And God, the book is violent. The last couple of issues is fucking gory as hell. Um, where this, while the series has no regular illustrator, um, every issue is drawn by a different artist. I'm going to list every artist who works on the interiors. You've got Michael Walsh, who I've talked about on the podcast. You've got Trad Moore. You've got Matthias Santaluca. I'm probably butchered that name. Margan Jesk, Will Tempest, Vanessa Del Rey, Matt Taylor, George Queller, Tonsi... J- I like this guy, but I can never say his name. Ponzi, Zonjic, Michael Gados, Francesco Francavilla, Nick Dragota, Cameron Stewart, Sean Phillips, Ricardo Lopez Artis, Adam Goram, Alberto Ponticelli. He looks so fucked up. I'm Marek just looking at Alex something. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah Horrocks. What a lineup! And the, as a fan of art, there was something there for everybody. Clayton Cowles letters the book. Um, John. Jordi Belair colours all of the issues with some fantastic design and covers from Tom Muller. Um, now Google Tom Muller and look at what he's been doing for designing comics and you'll be really amazed. Um, he's getting more and more mainstream work now and a lot, a lot of like comic books have struggled with logo design, typeface design in the past, but he's really pushing it into a proper design sphere and it's these comic book covers stand out. Um, now, art-wise, I've proved why you should read the book. There's something there for everybody. But if you're a fan of uh, Cot's work on DC's Suicide Squad, or his run on Marvel's Secret Avengers, or his Bucky Barnes run, um, but want it pushing even further and even to weirder places, then this is the book for you. Um, now, they're the three I wanted to talk about, and here's a list of some others um, I think people should read. I'm just going to sell them to them like one line. So if you like Stranger Things and want to see it with girls, sci-fi, time travel... Check out Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughan and Cliff Ching. Um, now, Cliff has also mentioned this and whether we think Vertica's um, indie or not, I've put, if you like The Walking Dead and a Brian K. Vaughan book, check out Why the Last Man. Um, if you like Mr. Miracle uh, and Mitch Gerard and Nathan Edmonton's Punisher run, check out The Activity. That's an image book. There's also Bitch Planet by Kelly Sue... Deconic. Is that good? I was meant to pick that up at the start. Um, I never got around really to good. it. It's tailed off a bit now. There's a lot of breaks in the um, yeah. in its schedule, but it's really good. And that's with art by Valentine Delandra, I think I always say his surname. And then uh, someone we all love on the uh, podcast is uh, there's Hickman and Nick Dragota's East of West. Another oh my book. god, that is amazing. I've always been to pick that up. That is so good. Yeah. So basically, if you've liked anything I've talked about. In the pa- if you liked anything I've talked about in the past on the podcast, you'll probably like mm. all of the books I've mentioned today. Brilliant. I feel like I raised through that. 
Should we? Is there anything else that anyone wants? To I was going to say uh, when you was well when you were just talking about the saga just then I was thinking another thing there what helps it become an indie is the fact they refuse to sign it over for a TV deal which they've been offered money for. So that kind of then helps gives it its own little grounded. No, this is a comic and that's it. Yeah. Do you think they ever would if they comp- when they complete their run? It's a movie, isn't it? It's movies. It's a movie series, if anything. Do you think? Yeah. It's too big for TV. Budget. Unless HBO decide to go after after Game of Thrones, and that's yeah. that's the constant rumor online. Well, Game of Thrones already commissioned the prequel, haven't they? Yeah, that'll be like um, Aegon's Conquest. Saga's a good example of like the creators having control of the comic. Like they decide the schedule it's released at. So like, if, if Fiona needs a break, they take a break, yeah. and they do now. They do six issues, and then like three months off. And it's that sort of self-control. They're operating through a larger machine, but they're in control of what they. Same thing's done with Black Magic as well. Yeah. That, that's no, had big gaps in well. uh, No, that's Black Science. No, Sorry. Um, Black Magic is. Oh, she's writing Wonder Woman. It's the reason why she's taking a break. She's writing Wonder Woman now, so I can't remember her name. Oh. I might have to give Saga another go. I've tried it reading it. It's good. I, I'm, I'm a bit behind, about a few episode issues behind, but it's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. So hmm. I've, I've hoped we've sold people on some, um, some uh, indie books. My hope was that. If people listen to this podcast, only ever read Marvel and DC. Mm. Then we've at least tried to like yeah. indie. If, if you like I these mean, books, you'll also like these. There's books. a world out there, and it's fucking amazing. Like we didn't get. I've got a list here: Chrononauts, Scout, Jupiter's Legacy, Sweet Tooth, Tokyo Ghost, Tooth and Claw, Animosity. The Clean Room is amazing, but also, how I've do you got, talk about that? I've got the first issue, and, and, and I so chose to read up. it because the guy who was drawing that, that John David yeah. Son, is on the uh, Wildstorm. Right. Well, so I picked yeah. it up and I got a sketch from him. Buzzkill, Curb Stomp, Morning Glory. Yeah. Just Google these titles, man, and have a look and just be like, I had no idea. That, you, you might be like, I had no idea there was this type of stuff that was existing in comics. Yeah. It's more than just tights and capes, which is, I think is quite unfortunate. Well, that, I don't think any of us have talked about anything with tights and capes. Like, mm. No. I mean, well, the, if I'm, that's why I think it works as an only because it, it, it's, the majority of it is none of that. And if it is, it's very ironic, like invinci- in, invis- Invisible. Invincible. That is almost like a play on the superhero thing. Jupiter's yeah. Legacy, I think, is a big piss take, basically. What Mark mm. Miller's like, yeah, we'll take your Golden Age heroes and we'll fuck them up. Do you know what I mean? And I think is, which I think is a nice take on it. Yeah. I mean, one of the, th- I mean, the other ones I was going to talk about originally when I was going to like do a, kind of like a list of certain ones I was going to talk about was um, especially Jason Aaron stuff. What he does. Oh man, when you, when you've bastards. got Southern Bastards, Bastards is brilliant. Yeah, goddamn, God so good. I mean, and I don't know if I mean that he took a massive break on that one as well because he was just. I mean, he's committed to that much stuff. I mean, he's writing Avengers now, so. Mm. Um, Odyssey, if anyone's read that, that's... Uh, Odyssey, Matt Fraction and yeah. uh, Christine Ward. Oh, my God, that's such a mind. I, I mean, I think they're on long-term hiatus. Sex, sex Criminals, could so, you get that book out coming at a big two publisher? No. no. I mean, Sex as well, which I picked up by accident, yeah. I wanted Sex Criminals and picked <laughs> up the wrong one, but that was still good as well. Other it's books like, like Lumberjanes. Lumberjanes. Uh, Wicked in the Divine. Wicked in the Divine. I can't believe no one talked about Wicked yeah. in the Divine. I was I'm not yeah. a fan of it, but I, I, I know that people... I, I, I think it's it. good, but I think there's a lot more hype around it than people realise. Mm. It's, it's, it's hipster as hell. It's, good. it's yeah. really, really good, but um, you got things like, I think... I mean, you've even got some stuff like the... Um, I can never pronounce it, it begins with Z, like Zef, Zef Martin, just like, you know, the grim fairy tales things out, which is more or less just them drawing big-titted like, uh, yeah, 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 fairy yeah, yeah, tale yeah. characters, but somehow it's, it still yeah. sells. Things like Fable. Oh, that's better to go. That's better. That's better to go though, isn't it? Um, I've got more. Well, I said Morning Glories earlier. One, didn't I? Well, I mean, if you, I mean, like you say that. Buzz Kill. Kill. Pardon? You said Kill. Kill or be Kill. I've spoken about that before on here. Haven't I? Outcast. If you can go around yeah, the Kirtman run. There's all sorts of books by um, Brubaker and mm. Phillips, isn't they? Uh, Incognito. Um, what other things have they done I, together? 
I read um, a lot of your big two writers and artists yeah. are ending up there. Yeah, I read Providence though, which was um, Alan Moore's last thing, and that was done through Avatar. Yeah. And that was a mindfuck of things, but that was like uh, what you expect. Alan Moore, Alan Moore, just really, just really designed for indie comics. If you're going to go by indie comics yeah. being a being a genre, hmm. I mean, he was given the reins to a Watchmen, and again, that's something you wouldn't expect something like DC to put out. Mm. That was good. So vote time. Yeah. Uh, recap. Um, so I spoke about the bleakness of indie comic, the bleakness in indie comics, and how they feel more real, more like real stories than super than superhero stories. I talked about what is an indie comic. It's something which is still about there. I try to give examples of books you should be reading if you like these books by the big two. Yeah. Cool. Curfee one, Tom two, Jack three. I I always wonder what the listeners thinking. At this moment, we're like, oh my god, I want to do this one. Oh, who's <laughs> going to do this one? Well, obviously, I know because I'm here. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, are you ready? Yep. yep. You ready? Okay. On three. Tom, you do it. I'll you do it. Okay. <laughs> one, two, three. Oh, it's oh, a fucking time, time break. So, how are we going to do this? So, are we told what the prizes that we're going to put in? Yeah, it's prizes. Uh, I was going to put in Spog Standard, uh, First Trade of Why the Last Man, because it is fucking incredible. Yeah. I-, I was just going to pop in like a bumper block of stuff from Boom, IDW, stuff what people might not have read off before. So, just, you know, just some a load of random issues of things for people to pick off, just so they can see what other, some yeah. someone out there other than the big two. I was going to get the first issues of as many of the books I. Mm. Um, read out so I'll start with I'll get you a first issue of Saga be it a must read or be it a whatever you're not going to get a, a first print oh, no, first no, issue no. but I'll we'll chuck in as many of the first issues as I can of what's on that list of stuff I talked about today cool have the Saga have they done like one of the big artist covers which are like you know absolutely ginormous no, I don't know they've done I think they did um, one for The Walking Dead they did I know that when I was asking Paul's, he's got like the majority of stuff we spoke about is like the first issue I know, sorry, um, there's a, even the scalps in there, and that's been out for ages. There was, like, the losers, you know, all that sort of thing. They've gone back and just started just re-putting out first issues of all these. Yeah, so uh, yeah they do, like, a, a dollar thing. Yeah, dollar yeah, I, I think that's... Fu- that's that was, was going to be one of my prizes, yeah, that, like, that, just that, get a bundle. That's why I'll probably be able to get some of most of them in yeah. some capacity. They're, they're all there, like, Kill or Be Killed's there, and you'll find you'll be able to find them in the boxes below, so... Yeah. All right, okay, so we us do it again. <laughs> do it again, then, yeah. All right, okay. Okay. One, two, three... Oh, fucking oh, hell! Sake. Oh my god! Um, how are we gonna do this? Shall, uh, shall we just? Shall we just? Right. Shall we all? Okay, shall we all just put something in? Five we'll, quid. We'll each, we'll each put five quid worth of, of indie, indie comics. Okay, so so I've we'll just put in five quid worth of indie comics. So this is That's similar to what me and you were gonna do. This is, yeah, yeah, this is gonna yeah. be bumper. This is gonna be a massive <laughs> pile of comics. Oh, this is brilliant. And to win it, what do you need to do, Tom? You need to hashtag Comic Rumble on our Instagram page. Any post, put down hashtag Comic Box Rumble. We even post your own images, but put the hashtag and we'll find yeah. it. And tell us which one of us you've liked. So do hashtag Tom, hashtag Dak, hashtag Kofi. And tell us if you've actually gone out and picked any of these books. Because we've had a few listeners that have gone, yeah. oh, I read this because of what you guys were talking about. Or check these out. Or I disagree with you on here. So, yeah, let us know. Because we want to know. We want to keep this discussion going. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we mentioned earlier, big news is we won the... Um, Marvel quiz. We won Marvel quiz. Just. Just. Shout out to Oh, because Gooch. that last team got 
put down the scorpion. Yeah. There was if a round where, like, if you got one wrong, you lost all the points. But if you got them all right, you got an extra five. Was it extra five points? Extra five points, yeah. And we managed to kind of we sacrificed a few answers and we ruled out <laughs> Juggernaut. Right. Yeah, one was right, one was but, wrong. Um, yeah, we did it. We won the middle child's quiz and a lot of the prizes that we got from that were put in straight. Well, in fact, all the prizes from that, probably, other than yeah. the beer, we and, put uh, straight into the box. What's it called? Um, the pot. at the pot van, yeah. yeah, but we're gonna, I think when we get the, we're gonna try and either maybe get the second team that came in second place to come in yeah. on the chat, get yeah. Andrew yeah. come in so as well. We're gonna split our prize, the prizes we won between this box and probably the next mm. box, yeah. Just to, just to oh, they might have steal the mug though because my mug got work's getting a bit, <laughs> it's getting a bit wrecked <laughs> just now. To spread the love. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, we'll also be the Geek Fair on the is it Saturday the 16th? It is indeed. Um, if you came down last time, we had an example box of our prizes. This time we'll have posters and lots of goodies to buy. Mm. And also we'll just be there to chat and talk about the podcast. Oh, brilliant. Um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Yes. Uh, if you wanted to get at us on anything we've spoken about and everything we were talking about before, we are at Comic Box Rumble on Twitter, Instagram, and also on Facebook. But if you want to send us an email, an in-depth essay on why, why The Last Man is the worst thing you've ever read, and Kofi, I'm never going to listen to your recommendations. Or Jack, come on, man. You've got to talk about the, the crude and the rudeness in Saga. It shouldn't be in comic books. So if you want to tell Tom, we are absolutely loving your list reports. Send us an email to <laughs> com- <laughs> comicboxrumble at gmail. Com. So that's someone's getting a stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, the your list results are fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, send us an email. Uh, we can, we're everywhere. We're in your teapot, yeah. we're in your bed. No, we're not. <laughs> we're in your house. We're on your stickers on your car, posters on your wall. Yeah. yeah and next we've got the winner in, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We've got Mr. Daniel Batchelor coming to Did join I tell you, us. my mum took a picture of our poster when she was in fruit. Did uh, she? She went to some, like, the um, Who Quadnafenia night. She was like, a picture of your there podcast on the wall. Man, we're getting everywhere. Yeah. Still got some more to put out. But thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. I'm always waiting to see if we're going to say bye at the same time. But it's like, bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye everybody. Bye. Like, bye. Thank you very much, for everybody. Bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs>